Hi everybody, you're listening to the Vogue podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is S-play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend that you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast No Space. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom, and we are rope partners. We've been practicing together for just over a year. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you, and we live in beautiful, beautiful Thailand. Yes, we do. And today we're really excited to have an interview with Belle, uh, who is at Belle Dash on FetLife. So Belle is a rope switch and a rope bondage instructor, and she's produced a wonderful range of instructional videos and writings on topics like bottoming for the body, bottoming for the body you have, and how to connect, as well as many ties. So welcome, Belle, and thank you for joining us. Hi, it's exciting to be here. Fantastic. So to kick us off today, set the scene for us. So tell us, how did you first get interested in rope bondage? So I wish I had a fascinating story for you, but <laughs> what happened was I had a partner who was interested in rope bondage and asked if he could tie me up, and it sounded like a grand old time to me. <laughs> And from there, I bottomed for a couple of years before starting to self-tie and then eventually moving into mostly topping. Okay, so you basically started to, I, I don't want to use the wrong language, but to satisfy an interest your partner had at the time. Um, yeah, but it was also something that when when he mentioned it, I was like, you know what, that sounds really fun. It wasn't a, I'm doing this for them. It was a, huh, I've never thought of doing this before, mm. but it sounds really fun and now I want to do it. Mm. Were you already kinky or was it one of your first forays into kinks when you did that? It was my very first. Oh, oh wow. That's sweet. Yeah. Wow. And how, did you, how did you respond to, as a bottom? Like, how was that experience, that first experience? Um... Well, I liked it a lot better than anything else we did during that very first scene. Um, I really liked the sensation of feeling restricted, which is still the thing that I like most as a bottom, is feeling restricted and restrained. And it was something that I wanted to keep doing. Unfortunately, Rope wasn't that partner's main kink, and he actually didn't want to do it very often. Oh. At mm. times. <laughs> Bad times, but it's okay. I have all the rope in my life I could ever want now. Apparently, you really do. <laughs> <laughs> so from that first experience, uh, how did you progress in your rope? Uh, how did you approach your learning? Who were your uh, formative partners in your the start of your journey into rope? So let's start with uh, me as a bottom because mm -hmm. that's where I started. My primary partner that I have now, Nathren, who I'm still with, was a college friend. And I mentioned that I was interested in rope to him after that first partner. And he had the same reaction. Oh, that sounds like fun. And we learned together. We started with uh, books and YouTube videos. And then eventually together, our very first public kink event was... Uh, Shibari Khan, uh, 2012, I think. Mm 
Yeah. And we took tons of classes. Literally every class walk, we took classes. And then over time, we just kept learning as we had access to being college students. We didn't have a lot of money to do the really expensive intensives, but where we could, we kept learning. And eventually I started tying. Um, He kind of showed me the basics, but from there, I'm actually mostly self-taught. Okay. So what what Um, is your process for teaching yourself a tie or teaching yourself a new rope skill? So I have a very, very good, strong memory. So any of the classes that we went to where I was tying, uh, where I was a bottom, I was able to watch the instructor tie the tie and was able to reproduce it afterwards. Mm. So that never was a big challenge to me. And then I started looking under the mentorship of my dominant, Michael, who is a New York rigger. Um, I started looking at different styles and things that I like out of each of the different styles that, that exist and putting them together to create something that I consider my own style now. Okay, fascinating, fascinating. And so why does rope speak to you? Why why does it important to you? That's actually one of the tougher questions to answer. As a bottom, it's something that really makes me feel sexy. It's something Mm. that that's the stuff that I get off on as a bottom. As a top, it's a little bit different. I really like using it as a way to have a conversation with the person that I'm tying. I am not great with people, and rope is a way that lets me kind of talk with my hands to someone that I care about. Okay, and so connection is a big theme in your writing. So um, I've obviously dug a bit into your fit and to your um, writings on your website, um, and you've talked about connection not all looking the same. So can you can you talk about this idea of connection and maybe share a scene where you felt super connected? Yeah. So originally, I took a couple of connection classes. Um, The one that sticks out most in my mind was a connection class by Wicked Dave and Clover. Mm -hmm. And it kind of set me on this path of believing that connection was always a close, intimate thing. And over time, I started to realize that that wasn't really the type of rope that I liked doing and got very self-critical that... I wasn't connecting with my partner. Mm-hmm. As I continued learning rope and I continued growing and becoming more confident in myself, I started realizing that connection can look like a lot of different things. For some of my partners, uh, some of my friends, when I tie them, it's a, it's a conversation. We might giggle. We'll, we'll chat through it, I'll make fun of them, they'll banter back. Um, with other rope partners, connection looks like degradation or humiliation or objectification. Uh, one of my favorite scenes, and this is years ago, I had with my friend Fen, where our 
scene was me treating her like a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. I put her through 15 or 20 transitions all in one scene. Wow. And just ignored her the entire time. And it ended up being one of our most intense experiences together, even though it doesn't look anything like traditional connection. Yeah. As time has gone on, I've actually started moving back towards that original definition of connection with some of my friends, where we are close and intimate, but it's a very recent thing for me. Does connection look different as a bottom than as a top for you? Yes. Um, So bottoming is always sexual to me, whereas topping is not always sexual. So connection with me as a bottom really requires a, a sexual component to the rope. So if I don't feel sexy, if, or if I don't feel dominated, then I also am very much a submissive to certain people. Those are the types of things that connection looks like is feeling dominated or feeling desired or humiliation is another big thing for me as a bottom. So being put in humiliating positions, being pushed right to that very edge of almost breaking down, but not quite. Hmm. That's lovely. Uh, From a technical standpoint, how would you describe your style of tying as a top and the style of tying you prefer to receive as a bottom? Um, So there isn't a specific style that I prefer as a bottom. Mm -hmm. It's whatever the top can most effectively do to create the scene uh, and the emotions that they're going for. Mm. Um, I tend not to handle ties that are heavily based in the Naka Akira school, they just don't work very well for my body. Okay. But other than that, it doesn't really matter to me as a bottom. I What I care about is having rope on my body. Mm. <laughs> would, you, uh, would you share with us why they don't work very well for your body? Uh, yeah, so the, the Naka Akira style of ties tend not to be as heavily structured as some of the other schools. And that lack of structure just for some reason doesn't feel quite as good to me. And especially with a TK, tends to result in me going numb faster. Okay. Because you have Uh, less structural support from the rope? I've never really looked into why, but that would be my guess. Mm, Super interesting. Uh, Are you more of a jute person or a hemp person? Jute all the way. I haven't tied with hemp in years. Okay. Um, In your writings on FetLife, you talk about wanting to feel successful as a Mm -hmm. rock bottom, and you said you wanted to be pushed close to the edge, but you don't want to be pushed to failure. And that's, um, that's something I've actually heard in a few of the bottoms I've done rope with, uh, this fear of failure. Is that something you can talk a bit more about? Yeah, it's something that 
I really, I've talked to a lot of bottoms and we, a lot of us seem to struggle with this concept of, of failure. And I know for me, it's more of an internal personal battle than it is an actual inherent problem. But the fact that I know it's happened for, for so many bottoms, this fear of failing, um, usually by having to tap out of something mm -hmm. or having to safe word, uh, makes them feel like they've either failed themselves or they've failed the person that they're tying. And that's the, the thing that I always want to avoid because I haven't yet been able to work through the, the feeling of failure that comes from tapping out. Okay, that's very um, interesting, and that has uh, implications in uh, your safety also if you have anxiety around using your safe word, for instance. Yeah, it absolutely does, um, which is why I really prefer not, as a bottom, to be pushed to that edge. Hmm. The funny thing is, for me as a top, if a bottom ever asks for anything to be adjusted, or they need to, to come down, or they want something changed, I never even, it never even crosses my mind that that could be considered a failure. It just is, mm -hmm. oh, we need to move on. But as soon as I'm a bottom, I take that entire onus of the scene and its success onto myself, and I haven't ever been able to let go of that. Okay. Is there something you talked about with your uh, rope tops, like people that you oh, tie yeah. with often, like Michael? Yep. Yep, absolutely. And um, is there anything you've done... Good. Is there anything you've done to try and uh, mitigate it in the scene or, or things that you've done to, to manage that? Um, yeah, there, so one of the things took me years to discover. I don't actually like being suspended. So okay. I'm a floor work only bottom. Yeah. Once I finally realized that I didn't want to be suspended, my scenes felt a lot better because I wasn't constantly worried about oh, this is, I have to pay attention, this is going to make my hands go numb. All of that worry is just gone yeah. as soon as I was back on the floor. So that's one of the things that I've done to really help that situation. Um, with Michael especially, because we, we do have a power exchange relationship that is relatively strong, he has occasionally chosen to push right up to that edge to try to get me more comfortable using my safe word. I still hate it, but it does, it, it has helped. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the thing, the thing you say about accepting that you didn't like being suspended at the bottom, I think is really powerful because I meet a lot of rope bottoms who feel they have to like suspension, even if it's unclear that they actually do, as if the only way to be a proper or a good rope bottom was to love suspension. And I don't think anyone has to love anything in particular. And floor rope can be so good in itself, right? It, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, as soon as I decided, hey, I don't want to go in the air anymore, I, my rope scenes are so much better because I'm not worried the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can always change your mind later if in five or Yeah, if I decide I want to decide. go on the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing stopping you. Yeah. Um, can you, can you name for us a tie you particularly like and then a tie you really don't like? Uh, so right now I'm obsessed with this tie that um, 
my partner Nathrin and I kind of developed together. You can actually find the video of it on my website. Mm -hmm. It's the diamond arms front or arms free chest harness. And the reason that I'm so obsessed with this tie right now is it seems to solve one of the problems that I've always struggled with with arms free chest harnesses, um, with chest compression just being a serious problem. Mm -hmm. And just the way that this tie is structured, it moves the painful bits, which is usually for me the area right under my breast. Mm -hmm. It moves it up onto the, basically, if you were to make a line across my nipples, it would be right right there is where the weight goes, which is a yes. stronger part of the rib cage. Mm -hmm. And it's actually been really successful. All of the bottoms that I've tied in it have really, really liked it. Uh, one of my friends uh, said that it feels like the tie breathes with her because nothing is locked down on the front and the entire thing can actually move because of the way the diamonds are structured. So it doesn't and squish your nipples, your, your breasts? Because no, that can be quite because, a tender part. Yeah, so <laughs> because the diamonds go around the breasts, instead of over them, there's no actual line that goes across the nipples, it's to the side of them. Okay. So that ends up not being a problem. If you do like breast compression, you can tie the tie a little bit tighter and it will squish down, which I've also had bottoms really enjoy, especially the ones that may be uncomfortable about their chest area. That's really interesting. Uh, and this, is this a, a harness that you've suspended from? Uh, yeah, I've suspended it in all of the directions and I've done transitions off of it okay. and it seems to hold up really well. Oh, that's super interesting because mm -hmm. I've... Maybe uh, we can try it. Yeah, I've had uh, bottoms especially have difficulty with a classic chest harness in a vertical suspension head up. And I would be interested to see if this different harness um, gives them less difficulty with breathing. Yeah, give it a try and let me know because I'm still, it's still a new tie, so I'm mm -hmm. still looking for feedback and I'm still making modifications to it as I get more feedback, but I would, yeah, try it out. I think we I've will. Had, yeah, I've <laughs> had really good experiences with it. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free, far from it actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. Okay, um, so that's a, that would be a tie you like and you've worked on. What about a tie you don't like and why? I hate tepos. Okay. Um, and the the main reason, and it's with every tepo. The main reason that I hate them as much as I do is because that arm that goes above the head is always just faked there. The bottom can always just put it down <laughs> unless mm -hmm. you directly tie it to something. So every time I tie it, I'm like. Yeah, it's gonna stay this time, and it never does. <laughs> so for for our listeners who are a little bit less versed in the Japanese, can you describe for us what a tepo tie is? Yeah, so a tepo. Um, 
I actually really like the the phrase arms carrying a rifle tie. Uh-huh. Um, so one arm goes up behind the head, and then the other arm goes behind the back in almost a traditional TK position. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually it's put as close to the arm above the head as possible and touching if possible. Mm. Uh, and like I said, I love it in theory because it's really pretty when it works. Yeah. But in order to make it actually work, you have to tie something else in there, which I never do. <laughs> so it feels like a cheat a bit to you? To... It, it doesn't, it's not so much that it feels like a cheat, but if I'm going to tie somebody's arm above their head, I want it to stay there. <laughs> right. right. I, I don't want them to be able to just put it right back down. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Um, so you've talked in your, your videos and writings about the idea of matching top and bottom styles and, and we can see from what you've talked about so far you have some specific top and bottom styles of your uh, of your own. So how do you decide who's a good fit for you um, in terms of styles? So you've talked about some of the people you do work with, maybe you can talk about more. And also does it differ for you as a top versus a bottom? absolutely differs for me as a top and a bottom because top me would be a terrible top for myself um (laughs) okay fascinating i I could not tie myself um as a top because i would hate what i do so what's to me what's really important about matching styles is that the people the two people or the four people or however many people come together to do something that everybody in the scene is truly interested in doing, not something that one person is like, ah, oh, okay, that's good enough. So to me, this comes out a lot down to what we like to call negotiation, but I would rather just say communication before the scene, figuring out those areas of overlap and being willing to say, no, this isn't right if you don't have those areas of overlap. So as a top, when I'm looking for a bottom to play with or a bottom comes to me asking to play, one of my first questions to them is, what are you in the mood for? Uh, And that gives me a really good idea of if what they're looking for is going to work. I don't frequently play with new people uh, because of the way that I treat rope as a a part of my friendships or a part of my relationships. Pick up play isn't something I do very often, but when I do, it's usually looking for people that I'm attracted to physically and that I have a good conversation with beforehand. And again, that we have some match in what we want to do. As a bottom... Go ahead. No, no, go on, go on. Um, As a bottom... I've only tied with... In the past year, I've only bottomed to like three people. And two of them are my long-term partners. Um, I'm very, very particular as a bottom. It has to be someone I'm very attracted to someone that I feel a submissive side to, and someone that I really trust their rope. 
Mm-hmm. How, how do you think people can understand their own style? So I, I can see with someone uh, like yourself who has a lot of experience, you know, you've, you've built that up over time. But how do newer people, tops or bottoms, understand themselves and their style so that they can communicate that to others? Oh, that's a really tough question. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it was a lot of trial and error. I've been doing rope for seven years, and I'm still discovering things that I like and things mm-hmm. that I don't like. Um, but if, as a bottom, actually, and as a top, it would work both ways. One of the first things you do, thinking about it, does this turn me on? Rope is sexy. Like that, a lot of that rope comes from kink, which comes from sex. So does this turn me on? Or am I looking to get something specific out of this? Do I, do I want something to hurt? Because unfortunately, suspension pretty much always hurts. So if you're not looking for pain, maybe that's not the right direction for you to go. Um, are you looking to find someone to be close with? Because that's another another thing to think about. Do you want someone who ties two feet away from you, or do you want someone, as my high school students would say, who's all up in your business? <laughs> um, I It's really trial and error and figuring out and doing a lot of self-reflection of what makes you happy? Because if you're not happy, it's really not worth doing. Mm. Mm. I think that's a really good message to put out there. Uh, you've mentioned that you're uh, moving away from using uh, TKs as a bottom. Um, you mentioned that in one of your writings on, on FetLife. Yep. Uh, we ourselves are not uh, super big fans of uh, TKs, so that's Gotes with your, um, your arms uh, yep. tied because of the high rate of injuries mostly. Uh, how have you found TKs impacted your rope scenes? Um, so, as a bottom, TKs are pretty much a no-go if you're going to put any sort of load on my arms mm-hmm. because I will go numb instantly. It does not matter where you put them, I will mm. go numb. So, as a bottom, TKs are really not a great choice for me. As a top, as I started noticing more and more bottoms were really just not happy in TKs, I'm, I was like, okay, I need something else. Yeah. And I looked around, and I was like, all right, my choices appear to be arms free. Ugh, hate arms free. If their <laughs> arms are free, they can hit me back. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a function thing. Or a reverse TK, the arms mm-hmm. in the front still in the box position which I didn't like because it still had a really high rate of mobility and it's just not as structurally stable. So what I started doing is it actually forced me to be extremely creative and start building my own ties, which I am slowly starting to teach other people as I've tested them more. And I really think moving away from TKs has improved me my rope as a top so much because I have to be so creative now in order to create a tie that is structurally stable enough to go through 15 transitions, which I still love doing as a top. Mm-hmm. Um, it 
looks nice because I hate tying ties that look ugly and is comfortable enough for my bottom that they can sustain it for a while. So moving away from TKs, I've learned so much about rope and the way that rope behaves and how different ties are put together and breaking things down into components that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And do you have a tie that you created which is both a chest harness, a suspendable chest harness and captures the arms? Yeah, I and unfortunately the video is not up yet. I'm planning to record it this week. It's I, I have an arms front chest harness that some of my friends like to call a hug tie. Mm-hmm. It puts nice. the arms in, yeah, it kind of puts the arms in like a self-hug position. It's super, super stable. Uh, the only uh, problem I've run into with it is it's not great for vertical suspensions, upright suspensions, unless you tie it into a hip harness as well, because mm-hmm. otherwise it presses on the floating ribs and bottoms tend not to like that very much. They do not. <laughs> Okay, okay. That's really interesting. We'll check that out once you um, put it up. And this interview, it may already be up by the time this interview Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm planning to record it this weekend. And I really hope I do because it has everybody that I've taught it to likes it and still uses it. So it seems to work pretty well for people. Sign, sign. Yeah. Um, Another thing that you talked about is... um, people understanding their hotspots on their body and it sounds like you're just talking about the TK there your upper arms are a hotspot for you and I I think I have a memory of you talking about shins maybe Um, and that was quite interesting to me as um, a bottom so how what what is the hotspot I guess first of all and how can bottoms kind of understand where they have these and then what do we do with them (laughs) so um I kind of define a hotspot as Anywhere that when you put rope there, it causes a problem. For me, my arms, my upper arms are a serious hot spot, but also, as you correctly mentioned, my shins. Okay. Um, my shins are really sensitive to pain, which has made Udo ties really uncomfortable. Basically, in order to find your hot spots, what I really recommend doing and you can do this with a partner or if you want it to like be more fun and amusing and probably hilarious for everybody or you can do it by yourself is just go through and press different areas of your body particularly if you use a fingernail if it hurts really bad that's probably a hot spot because in general if you press with a fingernail in most places it's not going to hurt a ton but if you hit one of your hot spots it really will um and for me, knowing where my hotspots are helps me to communicate as a bottom really well. I can tell my tops, okay, don't put rope on this one part on my shin. There's like this eh, four-inch section where if you put rope, you're going to just untie it in like three minutes anyway. <laughs> so if you just if I tell them where that is, then they can just miss it and we can keep going. So it helps with sustainability in a tie and yep. being able to actually do the full scene. Exactly. Because... Who wants to stop a scene because your shin hurts? Like, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Jen. Stop. Yeah, there's an interesting idea in the bottom cooperating into helping the scene last longer and go better. Yeah, and I think that 
really one of our big goals as, as people that are going to do rope is how do we make our scenes last as long as possible or last until they have a natural conclusion rather than ending because something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a rope journal? Because that sounds like the kind of thing that would be good to track in a rope journal for bottoms. I would love to have a rope journal. Um, but I'm really inconsistent. I bought a, a journal the beginning of this year. Specifically, you only have to write two sentences a day. And by March, okay. I had stopped using it. <laughs> so it's just not something <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a journaler, but if you are, I think that would be a great thing to put in a rope journal. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Belle, for um, sharing all your thoughts with us. That was really interesting to hear. So where can people find you um, and your courses or your videos online? So um, FET, you can can follow me on FET. Um, As you mentioned earlier in the, the podcast, Belle Dash which is unfortunately not one of the easiest searchable terms, but it's there. Uh, Twitter is at bellrope. And then uh, my website is bellcord.com. There's a silent E on the end of bell and a silent E on the end of cord. It means uh, beautiful ropes in French. Why the French, by the way? Ask the Frenchman. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a... A weird little thing. Um, I study language as part of my life. French is not one of the languages that I speak. Mm-hmm. However, my vet name was already in French, and putting two different languages together to make a rope website uh, just kind of hurt my soul. So you I didn't want the language Frankenstein, so you went with Belco. No, I did not want a Frankenstein language in my rope website. <laughs> so that's how it ended up that way. Nice. nice. Well, we'll put story. links in the show notes um, on FetLife, so we'll make it as easy for people to find you as possible. Yeah, and Belle, if you ever fancy uh, visiting us in Thailand, there's a lot of rope to be done here, also in very beautiful locations. <laughs> I mean, Thailand sounds lovely, so I may take you up on that. You it is very, very nice here. You're very welcome. <laughs> okay, that's all from us today at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, so iTunes or Stitcher or so on, and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast, no space. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com. We love questions from our listeners, so drop us a message on FET, and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.